Hey, it's Taylor, and I'm back with another podcast. I decided to rename my podcast Bottom Line with Taylor, and the reason why I decided to rename my podcast, well, I can. It's my damn podcast, so I'll rename it whatever the hell I want to name it. But anyway, today I want to talk about something a little different. I want to talk about professional wrestling. I've always had a love for professional wrestling since I was like seven, eight years old. And uh, today I want to talk about my favorite wrestler of all time. His name is Stone Cold Steve Austin. I grew up watching Steve Austin on TV. He's one of the biggest wrestlers of all time. You could put him on the same level as Hulk Hogan, The Rock, John Cena, uh, and, and a lot of others. Anyway, he's one of the biggest stars of all time. He made Vince McMahon and his company a whole lot of money. And uh, today I just want to start off, you know, talking about his career. Anyway, uh, Steve Austin, he was born on December the 18th, 1964. His name at the time was Stephen James Williams. That was his name at the time, but later on in life, he was adopted. He was adopted from, uh, he was adopted from his stepdad. His name was Ken Williams. He was adopted. In 1968, he had, so he adopted his stepfather's surname. But anyway, um, he graduated from Edna High School. He got a football scholarship, and he played football for the University of North Texas. He got injured. Anyway, let's fast forward. In uh, 1989, he decided he wanted to try out for with professional wrestling he was watching on tv he decided that's what he wanted to do but anyway uh he started out under gentleman chris adams chris adams was his trainer and he trained under chris adams school in the dallas sportatorium where adams also wrestled for world-class championship wrestling And, uh, anyway, he had his first match in 1989 against Frogman LeBlanc, who called all the spots during the match. Calling the spots means the person who making basically making all the decisions during the match. He's telling you what to do during the match. This is, you know, basically saying this, this is what you need to do. This and this moves you need to do. But Frogman LeBlanc, he carried him through it. And uh, Steve Austin made $40. Made $40 on his first match ever. So, he, you know, he, he Steve Austin came a long way. He went from $40 to a millionaire. But anyway, Steve Austin had a lot of work to do. And, uh... He was um he didn't start off as Steve Steve Austin but uh I think I think he started off as Steve Williams but anyway he was renamed Steve Austin by Memphis Booker Dutch Mantel during the merger of World Class and the Continental Wrestling Association 
in into the uh, United States Wrestling Association. We named it U- USWA, United States Wrestling Association. But um, they had to uh, rename him, so they don't. They had to rename Steve, you know, Steve uh, Austin. They had to rename him to Steve Austin. The reason why they had to rename him to that is so they don't get him confused with Steve Williams. Steve, okay, well, Steve Austin's real name was Steve Williams, and that's what he wanted to go by, but they didn't want him to go by that because then they would get him confused with uh, Dr. Death Steve Williams. They didn't, want, they didn't want him to get confused with them, too. So, but anyway... His name was Steve Austin. And then, uh, he was managed for a little while. He was managed by Percy Pringle. And he was accompanied by, by, uh, Jeannie Adams. Jeannie Adams, who was Adams, Chris Adams' ex-wife and ended up being Austin's girlfriend at the time. And Austin and her ended up marrying. They ended up marrying. But anyway, Austin left the USWA in 1990 and signed with WCW the next year. It was during this time Austin adopted the stunning nickname that followed him to WCW. It developed, okay, he developed this gimmick called Stunning Steve Austin. That was the gimmick that they gave him, even though Austin has said in you know, in some of his home videos that he said there was nothing stunning about him. But it was the name they gave him. But, um... But, weeks after his debut in WCW, Steve Austin defeated Bobby for his first World Television Championship on June 3rd, 1991. And then later that year, he joined Paul Lee Dangerously. And then Austin lost the WCW World Championship to Barry Windham in a two-out-three falls on April 27, 1992, but regained the title from Windham and enjoyed a second lengthy reign as champion before losing the title to Ricky Steamboat while the Dangerous Alliance disbanded shortly there, thereafter. Yeah, because Steve Austin, he was part of this group called the Dangerous Alliance. And, uh, okay, well, they split up. They ended up splitting up. And, um, at Halloween Havoc, Austin replaced Terry Gordy, teaming with Dr. Death, Steve Williams, to wrestle... Dustin Rhodes and Wendell for the unified WCW NWA World Tag Team Championships. The teams wrestled to a 30-minute time limit draw. And then, uh, fast forward in 1992, Austin formed a tag team known as Hollywood Blondes with Brian Pillman. Okay, from okay, from what I heard, the backstory of this was Austin had a single run. And then Austin showed up at a TV taping, and Brian Pillman walked up to him and said, uh, "Hey, we need a um, we need a we need to come up with a finish. We need to come up with a finish with tonight's match." And uh, Austin was like, "What? What the hell? What the hell is going on?" Well, Brian Pillman was like, "Well, we're in a tag team now. I Me, mean, you're in a tag team now." 
this and that, and they had to come up with a name. And Steve Austin was like, he was basically, he was fucking, like, he didn't know what to think. He didn't know what to think. He, he was doing this, this great singles run. He was a singles guy. And then all of a sudden, they put him in a tag team with Brian Pillman. And Steve Austin didn't like it. But anyway, they won the unified NWA and WCW World Tag Championship. World Tag Team Championship by defeating Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas held the title for five months. And then fast forward, the Blondes faced Ric Flair. They were, okay, their name was the Hollywood Blondes. That was the tag team name that Steve Austin and, and Brian Pillman had. But anyway, they uh they faced Ric Flair and Arn Anderson in a two out of three falls tag team title match and were defeated but retained the title as one fall had been determined by disqualification. And then at the Clash of Champions, which was a WCW event, World Championship Wrestling event, Austin and Pillman were scheduled to defend their title against Anderson and Paul Roma, but a legitimately injured Pillman was placed by replaced by Steven Regal, with whom Austin lost to Anderson and Roma. With Pillman still injured, Austin joined Colonel Park Colonel Robert Parker's stud stable. After Pillman returned, Austin betrayed and defeated him in a singles match at Clash of Champions. So Austin and Pillman were no longer a team. Austin betrayed him. Anyway, uh, the backstory of that is, um, from what I heard, is they decided they want to split up Austin and Pillman. And Austin, Austin wasn't happy about it. He was not happy about being split up with Pillman. It's kind of funny because Austin didn't like, he didn't like the fact that he was being put in a tag team. But then once, like, they had a lot of steam rolling and everything was going good. And then next thing you know, they want to split them up. Next thing you know, they want to split them up. But anyway... <clears throat> Austin, uh, they put Austin up against Dustin Rhodes in a two out of three falls match with two straight, two straight falls to win the United States Championship. That was at Starcade. And then Austin lost the title to Rick Steamboat, scheduled to face him in a rematch at Fall Brawl. Steamboat was unable to wrestle due to the legitimate back injury. Austin was ruled was awarded the title by forfeit. His second reign with the title ended just five minutes later when he lost to Steamboat's replacement, Jim Duggan, in a match that lasted 35 seconds. Austin successfully challenged Duggan for the United States Heavyweight Championship, both Halloween Habit and Clash of Champions. So as you can see, Austin was being screwed. Austin had a lot of potential. See, Austin, he had a lot of potential, but the thing is, like, he didn't, he didn't have the right gimmick in WCW. In WCW, if if you go back, and look on YouTube, you'll see how Austin was used in WCW. He didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't have the right gimmick, and he just he couldn't find out. 
he couldn't find out what he needed to do in order to make him the star that he was, that he ended up being. And he would never do that in WCW. It just never happened. But anyway, after returning from a knee injury in early 1995, Austin took part in a tournament for the vacant WCW United States Heavyweight Championship, defeating Duggan via countout in the first round, but losing to Randy Savage in the quarterfinals. In June 1995, Austin was fired by WCW Vice President Eric Bischoff after suffering a triceps injury while wrestling on a Japanese tour. Bischoff and WCW did not see Austin as a marketable wrestler. Additionally, Bischoff thought Austin was hard to work with. Yeah, um... They didn't. They didn't really think Austin would end up being a star. They didn't really look. They didn't really look at Austin as a big, big time player in WCW. Um, starting out, you know this. You know he was a rookie. He was basically a rookie, and Steve Austin couldn't really. I guess you would say he didn't really. He couldn't find his way in the business. He didn't really. I get. I guess he couldn't. He didn't know. He didn't really know what. He didn't really know what to do at the time. And um, Bischoff, Eric Bischoff, who was a vice president of WCW, he fired him over the phone. But then um, Austin was contacted by Paul Heyman of Extreme Championship Wrestling (ECW), who had managed him in WCW. See, Paul Heyman. I think I I would like to think that Paul Heyman seen a lot of potential in him, and I feel like Paul Heyman probably thought that WCW didn't use him right, didn't use him right because Steve Austin, Steve Austin knew how to talk. He's always knew how to talk. But anyway, Heyman hired Austin to do in ring interviews as he had not adequately recovered from his injury. He hadn't. You know, he hadn't uh, hadn't fully recovered from his injury. So he was just doing in-ring interviews. Austin debuted. He debuted in ECW against the Paradise on September the 18th, 1995. While in ECW, Austin used the platform to discover his future Stone Cold persona as well as a series of vignettes running down WCW in general and Bischoff in particular. Yeah, um, I watched some of the segments that he did in WCW, I mean, that he did in ECW. He was basically running down WCW. He was running down the vice president, Eric Bischoff. You know, basically it was a shoot. And a shoot is what you call, like, something, you know, he was basically saying, a shoot is like something real. It's kind of like real, like it's, it's like it's kind of like a something that's real in the wrestling business. Like it's it's planned, but they're basically they're basically um like it's planned. Okay, it's planned, but basically what they're saying is real. So basically, what he was saying, some of the things he was saying that saying about WCW Eric Bischoff was true, and then what them were his true feelings about Eric Bischoff and WCW. But uh, it says, um, I was reading up, most memorably 
in several promos that mocked his then status at WCW Nitro, host by introducing Monday NyQuil. Yeah, there was a show in WCW called Monday Nitro. Well, um, that was their premiere show. You know, WWE had Monday Night Raw with WCW had Monday Night Nitro. Anyway, he decided to do like a spinoff or a parody of Monday Night Nitro and called it Monday NyQuil. <clears throat> and, um... Anyway, he was basically make, making fun of the show, making fun of... Making fun of uh, WCW Nitro in these segments. You can look it up. You can probably find it on YouTube. Just type in Steve Austin, ECW, Monday NyQuil, or something along the lines of that. You probably find it. But, um... Anyway, several wrestlers have credited ECW as the place where Austin developed his microphone skills. I feel like, you know, I feel like being able to talk and having promo skills, having microphone skills, just being able to be a, a great speaker, I feel like it's a God-given God talent. You either got it or you don't. And Steve Austin, he had it. He had it. He knew how to talk. He knew how to talk, and he was a great talker. Actually, um, I watched on one of uh, Stone, Stone Cold's home videos, his sister actually said that uh, Steve Austin was, he was real shy. He was real shy growing up. He never liked to talk. And, uh, like, she said that she had to uh, talk, you know, basically order his, order his food over the phone for him. But I think this is before that he realized he had a voice. But uh, later on in life, he realized he had a voice. And, um, and I think ECW is when he finally figured out, like, you know, I'm on to something. I got a voice here. You know, anyway, Austin has credited Payman as the man who taught him how to cut a promo. And Paul, Paul Heyman, okay, Paul Heyman, he is, uh, Paul Heyman, like, he is a great mind for the business. He, um, he started off in WCW. Basically, he started off in WCW. But, um, anyway, he, um, Paul Heyman has a great mind for the business. He, uh, <clears throat> he was the owner of ECW. Paul Heyman, like, he's one of the best, like, best talkers of all time. Paul Heyman can, like, Paul Heyman could probably sell anything. Like, he's, he's that damn good. Like, he can make you, he can make you think what he's saying is the fucking truth, even though it's not the fucking truth. But anyway, Paul Heyman is one of the biggest reasons why Steve Austin, you know, found his voice. But, uh, anyway, uh, Steve Austin, he, he had a pretty good run in ECW. He had a pretty good run. Okay, he had a pretty good run at ECW. He had some good matches with Sandman and Mikey Whipwreck. And um, he had some ECW title matches, you know, which he lost. He lost all of them. But anyway, in 1995, that's when Austin joined the WWF after Kevin Nash and Jim Ross helped convince WF's owner, this man, to hire him in late 95. See, Kevin, I, I would like, I, 
I would like to think that, you know, I'd like to think that probably from what Kevin Nash seen of Steve Austin and WCW, he probably thought, you know, he probably thought like, man, there's a there's a lot of pop, there's a lot of potential in this guy right here, you know, he could you know, he could really be something. That's probably what Kevin Nash thought. And um actually uh Kevin Nash and Steve Austin are good friends in real life. And uh Jim Ross and Steve Austin are good friends and uh Steve Austin met Kevin Nash and Jim Ross in WCW in the WCW days. But anyway, um this man hired Steve Austin. And he debuted on a nineteen ninety six episode of Raw and was awarded the million dollar championship by his manager Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase is um Ted DiBiase was a uh, he's a legend. Ted DiBiase Ted DiBiase is a legend, and he's like man. Ted DiBiase is good. Like he's one of the he's one of the best wrestlers. You know, the 80s and 90s. And Ted, Ted was definitely the man that they... You know, Ted was a perfect man to put Steve Austin with at the time. And But at the time, Austin, he wrestled as the ringmaster. That was his name, the ringmaster. But his full name was acknowledged by announcers, although it was not part of his official billing. In his debut match on Raw, he defeated Matt Hardy. While making his first pay-per-view appearance at Royal Rumble, he is credited to be among the final four wrestlers in the ring, which could have given him an early push. However, the ringmaster, which was Steve Austin, failed to hang on to the ropes after Fatu clotheslined him over and slipped out of the ring early. You know, it's actually funny, like... He actually, I think Steve Austin said this in one of his uh, podcasts. He um, he said he was supposed to be the final four guy in the Ray Rumble, but when he it got thrown on, thrown over the ropes, he was supposed to hang on, but he didn't. He slipped. So then that's the reason why he wasn't the final four guy. So you know, people say you know wrestling's fake, this and that, but. The thing is, you know, mistakes happen. Mistakes happen, and that's what happened with Steve Austin. They threw him, they threw him over the rope. He was supposed to hang on to the rope, and he slipped. He slipped, and he fell over the rope. But anyway, uh, that's what happened with that. And then Austin, he felt that the ringmaster gimmick was weak and asked for a change. The WWF gave him a list with names inspired by murdered Iceman Richard Kalinske. Richard Kalinske, okay, this guy right here, he, um, okay, that's basically, he, okay, Steve Austin, he, he watched, he watched the, uh, he watched something on TV about Richard Kalinske, he was the Iceman, the Iceman Richard Kalinske, he was, uh, he was a cold-blooded killer, he worked for the, I think it was the Mafia or something, he killed a lot of people anyway, Richard Kalinske. I watched the documentary on him before. Like he was like he was he was fucking he was crazy as hell. Anyway. But uh he wanted a character based off uh Richard Kalinske and they gave him a set of names and he didn't like it. 
But uh, anyway, he ended up shaving his head. He ended up shaving his head. And he stated in a 2017 interview, he said, after watching the Pulp Fiction movie with Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, that's that's the haircut. That's the haircut that inspired him. Said he was traveling on the road to Pittsburgh with Dustin Rhodes, and before he went to the show, he said, "Fuck it." I went. He went into the bathroom with a razor blade and shaved all of his hair off. Then he grew a goatee, and everything came full circle. The remaster moniker would be discarded in favor of. His most famous ring name he came up that he came up with his ring name he came up with was Stone Cold Steve Austin. And how he came up with his ring name was by his wife, by his wife at the time, which was Jenny, Jenny as his wife. And how he came up with a Stone Cold name was well, she came up with a Stone Cold name. And she was fixing him a glass of tea. And she told him to drink that cup of tea before it became stone cold. So that's so that's basically how he came up with his name. When she told him drink it before it became stone cold, she said that that's your name. So that's your name right there, Stone Cold. Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's your damn name. So that's how he came up with his name. Because of his ex-wife, but his persona was basically was basically it was based off of Richard Kalinsky, the cold-blooded killer, real-life serial killer. His persona, but his name came from uh, his ex-wife. And anyway, he became Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he wrestled his new rival. His new rival was uh, Savio Vega Raw to a double count out. And then he ended up defeating him in his first WrestleMania appearance at WrestleMania 12. And then at In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies, Austin lost to Vega in a rematch. At In Your House, Beware of Dog. Austin lost a Caribbean strap match, strap match to Savio Vega. Under the pre-match stipulation, DiBiase, Ted DiBiase, who was his manager at the time, was forced to leave the WWF, allowing Austin to forge his path, you know, forge his own path. Austin later told Doc Hendricks, who was an announcer in WWE, that he had purposely lost the match to rid himself of DiBiase, who in reality was headed for rival WCW. Yeah, Ted DiBiase, he was he was on the outs with WWE. He was wanting to go to WCW. I don't know if it was a uh, contract. I don't know if it was contract issues. It was pro- I mean, it was probably money issues. But anyway, DiBiase left. Steve and Steve Austin was by himself, which needed to happen. And then Austin Rise to Stardom began at 1996, King of the Ring, where he won the tournament by defeating Jake the Snake Roberts. 
He defeated Jake the Snake Roberts at the King of the Ring. The King of the Ring tournament is basically a tournament of like, I can't remember, like, well, it depends on like, sometimes it has like 16 people, 12 people, but anyway, uh, it's a tournament. Whoever wins, they usually get a push in WWE, and that's what happened. He, uh, Steve Austin won. Won the tournament against Jake the Snake Roberts, who was a legend at the time. And, uh, anyway. Jake Roberts was, he was portraying a born-again born Christian. Born, he was basically a born-again Christian gimmick at the time. And, uh, anyway, so after the match, Austin cut a famous promo during his, you know, during his win, during his coronation as King of the Ring, mocking Robert's religious faith and proclaiming the now iconic phrase, Austin 316, as, yeah, he, okay, he, um, <clears throat> He ended up saying a catchphrase called Austin's 316. You know, he got it from Bible verse. Basically, uh, what, what had happened? Okay, the backstory with that is, um, backstory with that is, uh, Austin got hurt. He needed stitches. He needed stitches. He got hurt during a match with a wrestler named Mark Miro. Well, he got stitches. He needed stitches under his lip. He got his lip cut open pretty badly but anyway he went to he went and got stitches and then they told steve austin that jay roberts had cut a uh religious based promo on him so that got austin that got austin mind basically that got his gear that got his gears going and he decided you know since this man done cut a religious based promo on me so now he decided to think you know it thought you know, make him think of a good idea to uh, cut a promo on Jake Roberts. And he cut a promo that actually changed his career forever. <clears throat> and uh, the promo that he cut, you know, it basically started, you know, basically started his, uh, started off as a big career move for him. You know, it's basically a big career move for him. And uh, he said something along the lines of, you talk about your Psalms, you talk about John 3.16. He said, well, Austin 3.16 just whipped your ass. That's what he said. Immediately after he said, Austin 3.16 just whooped your ass, that's when he knew he was on to something. Like, it became one of the most popular catchphrases in wrestling history and one of the best-selling t-shirts in WWE merchandise history. So basically where the Austin 316 came from was all because of, was one of the, big, the biggest reason was because of Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts, he cut that promo on Steve Austin. He cut a religious-based promo and I, I can't remember exactly what he said. I have to go back and watch it. But then Austin has just, 
like also smart also smart guy and like he just might he just basically he just you know he just he, he started thinking and then his gears got rolling and he was like okay well i'm about i'm about to damn I'm about to say some shit here, and then basically he said, "Uh, you know, Austin three sixteen just whooped your ass," and then it was all from there. It was all from there, and then like he just started getting better and better as the years gone by. But anyway, um, this is back in '96, he won the King of the Ring, won the King of the Ring. He beat Jake Roberts, and if okay, right here, um, the next thing said throughout all. Throughout August and September, Austin spoke about Bret Hart, challenged him constantly, and taunted him relentlessly before Hart finally returned to Raw to challenge Austin to a match in Survivor Series, which he accepted. During the episodes of Superstars, old friend, old friend Brian Pillman, Brian Pillman, which was Steve Austin's old partner from WCW, but Brian Pillman came over to WWE. He signed a contract with WWE. But anyway, um, <clears throat> during an, during an episode of Superstars with Brian Pillman, he conducted an interview with Austin regarding his upcoming match. After Pillman inadvertently, inadvertently complimented Hart, Austin grew angry and attacked Brian Pillman. He then proceeded to wedge Pillman's ankle in between a steel chair and stomp on it, breaking his ankle in the storyline. In storyline, in storyline, actually, Brian Pillman's ankle was already messed up because he had a um, yeah he got into a car wreck. Brian Pillman got into a car wreck in real life. He got into a car wreck, and so he was, and then uh. <clears throat> He came to WWE. He was, he was just doing interviews and all. But anyway, um, okay. He had a real life. He had a real life injury from from the car wreck. And uh, Steve Austin, Steve Austin, and Brian Pill, and they decided to do this interview. You know, basically to build up Steve Austin. And then this led up to the infamous Pillman's Got a Gun segment. On Raw, where where Austin broke into Brian Pillman's home while he was nursing his injury, Pillman had been anticipating him and was armed with a pistol just as Austin broke in. Pillman aimed his gun at him before the episode cut to commercial break. The segment was highly controversial for its perceived for its perceived violence and rare use of profanity in WF program programming, with Pillman using the explicitive bitch and fuck. The segment is also credited for paving the way for WS shift to more mature programming. See, at the time, the way WC, way WWE was, way WWE was, which it was WWF at the time, they were mainly PG. They were doing PG things. They they were doing a lot of they were doing a lot of things that were you know that were you know that kids would want to see. Basically, they were um. You know, they were family. They were a family-based program, but Dobie, they well, Vince McMahon, he wanted to do this segment, and they were on the USA Network at the time, and Vince McMahon had got it okayed by the USA Network to do this segment. 
do the segment where Brian Pillman had a gun. Brian Pillman, you can look it up on YouTube. Brian Pillman had a gun, and he pulled out the gun. He was going to shoot. He was going to shoot Austin and went to a commercial break. But anyway, this is this right here. This segment right here is is probably like one of the first things that happened that led into what was called the Attitude Era. The Attitude Era was much more edgy programming in WWE. That's when WWE went from PG to TV-14. But anyway, uh, that's kind of the backstory on that. That's the backstory on what, what happened with that. USA, they basically they allowed it to happen. USA Network, that's what they wanted to happen. So that's... You know that's what happened, and Drew. I think it. I think they got a big rating for it. You know, I think they got a big rating for it, and uh, it was good. But uh, anyway, at Survivor Series, in a match to determine the number one contender to the WWF Championship, Bret the Hitman Hart defeated Austin with a turnbuckle, with a turnbuckle to push himself backward while locked in a million dollar dream. Okay, Austin had Bret Hart locked in a million dollar dream. And then Bret Hart it basically propped the feet on the turnbuckle and then Bret Hart came back for a roll up and and uh defeated Steve Austin there in the match. And uh anyway you can go back you can go on YouTube or go on the WWE network or um or uh, it's on the Peacock. You can go on Peacock and uh probably look it up. And you look at this match, Bret Hart versus Steve Austin, Survivor Series, 1996, excellent match. You watch the match, and it, it was like, man, it was, it was an awesome match. It was actually, it was one of Steve Austin's best matches he's ever had in his whole entire career. But uh, anyway, fast forward, during the 1997 Royal Rumble match, Austin was originally eliminated by Hart, but by Bret Hart, but the officials did not see it. He snuck back into the ring and eliminated Bret Hart by throwing him, throwing him over the ropes. So he snuck back into the ring. Austin was thrown over by Bret Hart, stuck back into the ring, threw Bret Hart back over, went in the match. This led to the first ever pay-per-view Main event of Austin's WF career at In Your House 13 Final Four, where he competed, where he competed in a four corners elimination match against Hart, The Undertaker, and Big Van Vader for the vacant WWF Championship. Austin was eliminated earlier for early from the match after injuring his knee. Hart will win the match. And the championship. However, Bret Hart lost the title the next night on Raw to Psycho Sid Vicious due to Austin interferences continuing their rivalry. At WrestleMania 13, which th this was a big moment for Austin. This is probably, this right here, this moment for Austin is probably one of his biggest, biggest moments in his whole entire career. But Bret Hart defeated Austin in a highly acclaimed Submission match with Ken Shamrock, who was a UFC fighter, former UFC fighter. But he was a special guest referee. Ken Shamrock was a special guest referee during this match. But during the match, Austin had been cut and was bleeding profusely. 
from his face, but he refused to tap, tap out when Hart locked in a sharpshooter. Austin finally, Austin, Steve, okay, Steve Austin finally passed out for blood loss, still held in the sharpshooter and lost the match. Okay, Austin was locked in two, he was locked in the sharpshooter. <clears throat> Bret Hart had Austin in the sharpshooter. And Austin was already bleeding. Like, I mean, he was bleeding like a stuck pig. But anyway, Austin wouldn't give up, and Austin finally, he finally just passed out. But after the bell, Art, Bret Hart, continued to hold the sharpshooter Austin, who, despite his wounds, refused any, any assistant back to the locker room. He didn't want any assistance back to the locker room. But, um, Bret Hart turned heel, he turned to a bad guy, and Austin turned to a good guy on that night. So it was, the tur it was a double turn. It was a double turn on that night. However, Austin portrayed an anti-hero instead of a traditional babyface. He didn't embrace the fans at first either. Austin eventually got his Revenge of Heart in the main event of In Your House 14, Revenge of the, of the Undertaker, defeating him in a match to determine the number one contender to the, to the Undertaker's WF Championship. Austin won when Hart was disqualified due to assistance from British, British Bulldog, earning him a title match against The Undertaker at In Your House in your house, 15, a cold day in hell. Austin faced Hart once again in a street fight on April 21st, episode of Raw's War, injuring his opponent's leg with a steel chair during the bout. The match was ruled a no contest, but Austin proceeded to beat Hart while he was on a stretcher in the back of an ambulance. He beat the hell out of Bret Hart in the back of that damn in the back of that damn ambulance. I remember that shit. It was awesome. But anyway, at a cold day in hell, Austin had the Undertaker down with Stone Cold Stunner, but was distracted by timely interference on the part of Brian Pilbin. The Undertaker then managed to his to hit Austin with the tombstone pile driver for the victory. So basically, Austin, the reason why he lost was because of the damn Heart Foundation. If, you know, storyline, you know, storyline-wise. But anyway, um, on Raw's War, on Raw's War, Austin partnered with returning Shawn Michaels as they both had a mutual, had a mutual enemy in the hearts. They defeated Owen Hart and the British Bulldog, for the WWF Tag Team Championship, his first title in the WWF. Despite being champions, the two constantly argued and ultimately faced each other in a match at King of the Ring. So Steve Austin versus Shawn Michaels at King of the Ring, which ended in a double disqualification as the both both men attacked the referee. <laughs> Michaels was later forced to vacate his title due to an injury. 
That same night, a tournament was held to determine who would face Austin and partner of a choosing for the vacant championship. Hart and Bulldog won the tournament, with Austin refused to pick a partner, choosing to wrestle the former tag champions by himself. Late in the match, a debuting Dude Love came out to offer assistance. Dude Love, who was Mick Foley, Mankind, Cactus Jack, that's who came out, okay? Austin accepted, and the duo won the match in the titles, making Austin a two-time tag team champion. Austin continued to feud with the Hart family, becoming embroiled in a heat, heated rivalry with Owen Hart, who pinned a distracted Austin and secured victory for the Hart Foundation in the 10-man tag team match at, um... In your house, sixteen Canadian Canadian Stampede, where Austin was partnered with Ken Shamrock, Goldust, and Legion of Doom. Okay, then at SummerSlam, Austin and Owen Hart faced each other with the Intercontinental Championship on the line. With Hart adding a stipulation that Austin would have to kiss his ass if he lost. So if Austin lost, he had to kiss Owen Hart's ass. During the match, Owen Hart marks. Botched a botched a tombstone pile driver and dropped Dawson on his head. Botched means he made a mistake. He fucked up. This is basically what Owen Hart did. Owen Hart fucked up with a tombstone pile driver and dropped Dawson on his fucking head, resulting in a legitimate broken neck and temporary paralysis for Austin. You know, everyone says wrestling's fake, but the thing is, things happen. Things happen, you know, accidents happen. Just with anything. With anything. Accidents happen. It can happen in real life, it can happen here. It's real life, you know you know it's real life. They're they're trying to put on a show, but uh you can look it up on YouTube. Look up Owen Hart versus Steve Austin, nineteen ninety six SummerSlam accident, something along those lines, you'll see what happened. But anyway, Owen Hart he fucked up. And he broke Austin's neck, and Steve Austin was, you know, paralyzed for for a little while. He's, he, I think he was paralyzed for like maybe a few seconds, maybe a minute or two. But anyway, says his heart stalled by baiting the. By baiting the audience, Austin managed to crawl over and pin Hart using a roll-up to win the Intercontinental Championship. A visibly injured and dazed Austin was helped to his feet by several referees and led to the back. Yeah, like, if you're watching the video, the referees, they... The referees that was holding up Austin, and he, like, he could just... Like, you could just tell, like... You could tell he was hurt. You could tell he was damn hurt. You know, people say this shit's fake, this shit all for show. But the thing is, accidents happen. I don't give a damn who you are. <clears throat> accidents happen. You know, it can happen to anyone. And that that's basically what happened. That's basically, this moment right here is what shortened Steve Austin's career. After this, he was basically on borrowed time in, in wrestling. Due to the severity of his neck injury, 
Austin was forced to relinquish both the Intercontinental Championship and the Tag Team Championship on September 22nd on the first ever Raw to be broadcast from Madison Square Garden. Hart was giving a, a speech to the fans in attendance. During the speech, Austin entered the ring with five NYPD officers following and assaulted Hart. As it looked like Austin was going to fight the officer. Vince McMahon ran into the ring to lecture Austin about why he could not be physically able to compete. <clears throat> After telling McMahon that he respects the fact that he and WF care, Austin attacked, with, attacked McMahon with a Stone Cold Stunner, leaving McMahon in shock. That was Vince McMahon's first Stone Cold Stunner. That was his first Stone Cold Stunner by Steve Austin. Back in 1997, Austin was then rested as part of the storyline. Austin was sidelined until Survivor Series. However, in the uh, interim, he made several appearances, one being at Bad Blood, where he was involved in the, in the finish of a match between Hart and Farouk. Austin hit Farouk with an Intercontinental Championship belt <coughs> while the referee's back was turned. Caused the Hart to win the match. Austin's motive was to keep the Intercontinental Championship around Owen Hart's waist as demonstrated when he interfered in Owen Hart's matches on Raw's board. Austin regained the Intercontinental Championship with Hart in Survivor Series. With Hart out of the way, Austin set his sights on The Rock, who stole Austin's title belt after Austin suffered a beating by his nation of domination Stable match. Nation of Domination was basically a stable with The Rock in it. Had uh had Farouk in it. Had uh had uh had Farouk, Ron Simmons, D'Lo Brown. No, now but Farouk and Ron Simmons same person. But anyway, Farouk uh Farouk who was Ron Simmons. It had uh the Godfather, Godfather um, and then it had D'Lo Brown. Had Mark Henry in it as well. That was the Nation of Domination. That was the Raw's group at the time in 1997. In the week, in the weeks to come, The Rock began declaring himself to be the best damn Intercontinental Champion ever. The Rock kept possession of the title until Degeneration X in your house. When Austin defeated him to retain the title and belt. As Austin had used his pickup truck to aid his victory, McMahon ordered him to defend the title against The Rock the next night on Raw's war. In an act of defiance, Austin forfeited the title to The Rock before tossing the belt into, into the river. Okay, so basically he gave the he forfeited the belt to the rock and then threw the son of a bitch in the river. <clears throat> but moving along here, so after Bret Hart's controversial departure from WCW, Bret Hart left Okay, Bret Hart left WCW in nineteen ninety seven. And the reason why Bret Hart left WCW in nineteen ninety seven well, it was because of contract issues. Contract issues, Vince McMahon couldn't afford Bret Hart anymore. Bret Hart had signed like a 20-year contract. Vince McMahon couldn't afford it. So, Bret, so Vince McMahon wanted Bret Hart to get out of the contract. 
Anyway, Bret Hart, they couldn't find a way to get Bret Hart out of the contract, which led to the Montreal Screwjob. And the Montreal Screwjob is where Bret Hart basically, Bret Hart got screwed out of the title. It was a real moment. Um, Shawn Michaels locked Bret Hart. He locked Bret Hart into Bret Hart's own finishing move, the sharpshooter. He locked him into the... He locked him into the sharpshooter, and Vincent Man called the bell, basically uh, screwing Bret Hart out of the title. And, um, you know, basically it was a shoot. It was called a shoot in a professional wrestling business, which is a real moment in the professional wrestling business. It was a shoot, and uh, had nothing, you know, Bret Hart, had, Bret Hart didn't know anything about it. Didn't know anything about it. But, uh, Anyway, uh, that was Bret Hart's last night within the company, and he went on to WCW, but, um, anyway, Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels were the top stars in the company during that time, and that's all they had. They were top stars, there was no one bigger than them two, and in 98, I won the Royal Rumble, last, lastly eliminated The Rock. The next night on Raw's War, also interrupted Vincent Mann in his presentation of Mike Tyson, who was making a special appearance over the objection of McMahon referring to Tyson as the baddest man on the planet. Austin flipped off Tyson, which led to Tyson shoving Austin much to McMahon's embarrassment, who began to publicly disapprove of the prospect of Austin as his champion. Austin was later announced as a special enforcer for the main event, WrestleMania 14. Although he appeared to be aligning himself with the WWF Champion Shawn Michaels' stablemate, D-Generation X, this led to Austin's WWF Championship match against Michaels at WrestleMania 14, which he won with help from Tyson, who turned on DX by making the deciding three count against Michaels, and later hit him with his knockout punch. Yeah, Tyson made the count. One, two, three at WrestleMania 14. That was Stone Cold's first championship win. It had been like an eight long journey. Austin stated in one of his home, home videos, he said it had been eight damn years he busted his ass for eight damn years, and he finally became the champion. Finally became the champion after eight long damn years. Seven, eight long damn years. Whatever it been, he had finally paid his dues. He finally paid his dues. He became the man that he wanted to be. He became the champion. He was at the top of the damn world. And this was Shawn Michaels' last match until 2002 as he had suffered two legitimate hernated discs Another completely crushed that crushed, and he had another hearing aid disc that was completely crushed at the hands of the Undertaker in a casting match at the Ray Rumble. With Michael's absence and winning the WF World Heavyweight title, the Austin era was ushered in. So, WrestleMania 14, 1998. March 28, March 29, 1998, whatever it was, I forget the exact date. But anyway, that started the Stone Cold Steve Austin area. Stop.
that started the era of, of the Austin, of, you know, of Austin. And then the next night, on the Raw's War, after Austin won the WF Championship, Vince McMahon presented him with a new title belt and warned Austin that he did not approve his, of his rebellious nature and that things could be done the easy way or the hard way. Austin gave his answer in the form of another Stone Cold Stunner. He stunned the hell out of damn Vince McMahon that night. No, which, no, which proved that Steve Austin was going to do things his own way. He decided that's the way he's going to do things. This led to a segment a week later where Austin had played a few days prior in a meeting to play ball with McMahon, appearing in a suit and tie with a beaming McMahon, taking a picture of himself and a new corporate champion. The entire thing's the entire thing was a ruse was a ruse by Austin who in the course of the segment proceeded to tear off the suit. Austin tore off the damn suit. I can remember this. You can look it up on YouTube. Tore off the damn suit. Tell that man it was the last time he would see Austin dressed like this. Punched his boss in the corporate grapefruits. Yeah, punched him in punched him in the nuts. And take it, and take another picture of two of them while McMahon was double over in pain. In April nineteen ninety eight, it appeared Austin and McMahon were going to battle out their differences in an actual match, but the match was declared a no contest when Do Love made an appearance. This led to a match between Do Love and Austin and Unforgiven in your house where Austin hit McMahon with a steel chair. In the following month, they had a rematch at Over the Edge in your house for the WF Championship. Austin managed to retain the title despite McMahon acting as the referee. He was the referee of this match. Okay, McMahon. Okay, McMahon was the referee of this match, and okay. Anyway, Austin retained the belt, and then after this, McMahon continued to do everything he could to ruin Austin, and he finally scored a victory for his side for his side at the King of the Ring. Also lost the WF Championship to Kane in a first blood match after the Undertaker accidentally hit him with a steel chair while the ref was incapacitated. Despite Austin having knocked Kane unconscious and, and thwarted an earlier intervention by Megkind. Austin further angered McMahon by winning back the championship the next night on Raw. Austin also emerged victorious against The Undertaker at SummerSlam. In response, McMahon set up a triple threat match at Breakdown in your house where The Undertaker and Kane pinned Austin at the same time. McMahon decided to vacate the WF Championship, vacate, meaning he decided to hold up the belt and word it based on a match between The Undertaker and Kane in which Austin was the guest referee on Judgment Day in your house. Austin refused to count for either man or attack both towards the end of the match. I remember this match. 
Austin gave both Kane and Austin Stone Cold Stunner and countered both of them motherfuckers down. Stone Cold beat Stone Cold being the badass that he was. That's what he did. He countered both of them down. Kane gave Kane Stone Cold Stunner, Undertaker Stone Cold Stunner, and that anyway uh Austin uh countered them both down. Counter both Kane and Undertaker down, you know. So uh the title was vacated. <coughs> and then they set up a tournament. They set up a tournament at uh Survivor Series, Survivor Series nineteen ninety-eight <coughs> which Austin lost. Austin lost in the semifinals. Lost to mankind after Shane McMahon double crossed Austin. Next time, the next night on Raw's War, Judge Mills Lane ruled that The Rock had to defend his newly won WWF Championship against Austin that night. As stipulated in the new contract, Austin had signed two weeks earlier with Shane McMahon. He yeah, he signed a new contract, which meant he get a new, he get a WWF title shot. The Undertaker interfered and hit Austin with a shovel, earning Austin a disqualification victory. However, because the title would not change hands via disqualification, The Rock still kept the championship. At rock bottom in your house, Austin defeated The Undertaker in a buried alive match after Kane performed a tombstone pile driver on The Undertaker into the grave. With this victory, Austin qualified for the 1999 Royal Rumble. Austin next definitive chance to to exact revenge on Mr. McMahon came during the 1999 Royal Rumble. On Raw's War, McMahon drew Austin's injured number with the obvious intention of screwing him over. Austin drew injured number one, while McMahon drew number two thanks to WWF Commissioner Shawn Michaels. During the Ray Rumble match, McMahon slipped out of the ring and into the crowd as Austin chased him down. Turned out to be a trap as McMahon led Austin to the lobby room where he was ambushed by the members of the corporation, which was Vince McMahon's team at the time. Austin was injured and taken away in an ambulance. With Austin gone and not in the Ray Rumble match, McMahon joined the announcer table in calling the match. Later on, however, Austin returned in an ambulance and re-entered the Royal Rumble, delivering a Stone Cold Stunner to Boss Man, Big Boss Man, and eliminated him. With the assistance of the corporation and a last-minute interference from The Rock, Austin was eliminated Mr. McMahon himself, who won the 1999 Royal Rumble. When McMahon turned down his number one contender spot against The Rock, WF Commissioner Austin Michaels awarded an awesome title shot the next night on Raw's board. At St. Valentine's Day Massacre, Stone Cold got a one-on-one match against McMahon in a steel cage match with a WF Championship opportunity at WrestleMania at State.
during the match, Paul White, who was the big show, made his debut in the World Wrestling Federation, breaking through from under the ring and attacking Austin. White's attack propelled Austin into the side of the cage, forcing the cage to give way and dropping Austin to the floor first, making him the victor. The week before WrestleMania, Austin took part in one of the most infamous segments in wrestling history when he interrupted the Rock, Vincent Mann, Shane Man's interview segment, driving a beer truck. The segment ended with Austin cutting a promo on three of them and using a hose on the truck to spray the trio with beer. That was an awesome segment. I remember watching that at home. Steve Austin came out with the damn beer truck and he got the damn hose and sprayed the rock. This man the same man with the beer. It was fucking awesome. Fucking awesome. Anyway, Austin defeated the rock at WrestleMania to win his third WF championship. Austin faced the Rock in a rematch at Backlash in which Shane McMahon was the referee. During the match, Vincent Mann approached the ring on to hand Austin back his smoking skull title belt and take Shane McMahon out of the proceedings. Austin won the match when another referee made the count. Austin would lose the title to the Undertaker over the edge due to Vincent Revolving around Vince McMahon, Stephen McMahon, and Linda McMahon made Austin the chief executive officer, CEO of the company, as part of the storyline. <clears throat> and uh, when Austin was CEO for that week or two, it, it was awesome. It was awesome. Like, go, go and look up on YouTube, type in Steve Austin CEO on YouTube. You will see how awesome it was. Austin was a great boss, man. Probably the best boss man I've ever seen in my whole entire life. It really, like, if... If, um, if I could have somebody like him be my boss man, if, if that could be realistic, if that could be a real thing, I would have him as my boss man because he would be an awesome boss man. But anyway, look it up. Steve Austin, CEO on YouTube. But anyway, Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon challenged Austin to a handicap ladder match at King of the Ring with a CEO title on the line with the duo of father and son won. The next night on Raw's War, Austin made it clear that while he was the CEO of the company, he could have a title shot at any time and place to be determined by himself. Austin made the WF Championship match that night on Raw his war and defeated The Undertaker to win his fourth WF Championship. However, after he won it, The Undertaker, the Undertaker came and hit him with the, the, the title belt, leading to a first blood match when the two had fully loaded, where Mr. McMahon stipulated that if Austin lost, he would never be able to wrestle for the WF Championship again. And if Austin won, he would never see Vince McMahon again. Austin won after interference from X-Pac hitting the Undertaker with a television camera and gave McMahon a goodbye Stone Cold Stunner. Austin held on to the WF Championship until SummerSlam when he lost it to Mankind in a triple threat, also featuring, the, featuring Triple H. Austin would get... His rematch at No Mercy against Triple H 
but he lost after The Rock accidentally struck him with a sledgehammer shot meant for Triple H. When Survivor Series rolled around, Triple H was still champion. Austin was booked into a triple threat match for the WF Championship against Triple H and The Rock. However, at Survivor Series, Austin was run down by a car in the parking lot. Austin then underwent, underwent neck surgery by Dr. Lloyd Youngblood due to Austin's injury from the pile driver at, at SummerSlam two years prior. Yeah, Austin, Austin, he had a neck injury. He had a uh, neck injury uh, from which had uh, been caused by what happened from 1997 against Owen Hart in their SummerSlam match when Owen dropped Austin on his head. So he was still having issues with his neck. So they needed a way to to write off Steve Austin. You know, the right storyline-wise, they needed to write Steve Austin off from WWE, from WWF programming. So the way, so what they did is they had a storyline where Steve Austin got hit by, got ran over by a car. So that was the storyline that he got. He got ran over by a car. When in reality. He had he had, had problems with his neck. He had problems with his neck. He had a broken neck. He was, but anyway, he was away for a nine month rehabilitation with the car car angle being used to write him off television. That was that was the angle they went with to write him off television because you know with wrestling, okay, with wrestling they they create storylines. They they create storylines, you know, to, um, sometimes they just, I don't know, they just, sometimes they like to create storylines to just, just do it their own way, because they don't want you to really know what is wrong with the person, and what was really wrong with Steve Austin is he had real life neck issues, and he couldn't, he couldn't perform anymore, and he needed to, he he needed to get surgery, but anyway, in April 2000, Austin appeared at Backlash, attacking Triple H of this man to help The Rock reclaim the WF Championship. After Austin's official return at Unforgiven, Commissioner McFoy led an investigation to find out who ran Austin down at Survivor Series. Rikishi admitted, Rikishi admitted to being the driver because he did it for The Rock. Rikishi felt that Austin occupied the spot, the top spot in the company with Austin gone. The Rock, a fellow Samoan, would finally be able to ascend to the top of the company. And no mercy, Austin faced Rikishi in a Noah's Bar match. During the match, Austin attempted to drive his truck into Rikishi, who by that time was a bloody mess. Before he could, he was stopped by officials with the match being deemed no contest. Austin was kayfabe, which is fake. And, and uh, kayfabe means not real in the wrestling business. Austin was kayfabe, arrested, and later bailed out by Commissioner Mick Foley. During, during a handicap match against Rikishi and Kurt Angle, Triple H came down with the Apparent attention of team with Austin. After clearing the ring, Shirley smashed his sledgehammer over Austin's head and revealed it was him behind the whole scheme. Revised to shield the WWF Championship from Austin in his career.
and Survivor Series Triple H had plotted to run Austin down again during their match, but his plot failed when Austin lifted Triple H's car with a forklift, then let it drop 20 feet. Austin won his third Brady Rumble in January 2001, last eliminating Kane. His rivalry against Triple H ended at No Way Out in three stages of hell match with Triple H defeating Austin two falls to one. With The Rock defeating Kurt Angle for the WWE Championship, No Way Out, Austin was set to face The Rock at WrestleMania. In the weeks leading up to WrestleMania, animosity grew between Austin and The Rock. Stemming from Austin's wife, Deborah, being assigned to be The Rock's manager by Mr. McMahon. At WrestleMania X7, Austin faced The Rock for the second time just before the match began. It was announced that the match had been made no disqualification. Midway during the match, Mr. McMahon made his way to ringside. He then prevented The Rock from pinning Austin on two separate occasions and provided Austin with a steel chair to hit The Rock with. Austin then hit The Rock several times with a chair and pinned him to win the WF Championship for the fifth time. After the match, Austin shook hands with Mr. McMahon, turning heel, turning Austin heel, which means Austin turned to a bad guy for the first time since 1997. Turned to a bad guy. And then he altered his character considerably over the next few months in a deliberate turn from the rebellious anti-establishment character beloved by the fans. Austin became a whiny, temperamental prima donna who complained incessantly when he felt he was not getting the respect that he deserved. Um, I can remember his heel run. Like when he was a heel guy, I, I honestly, I didn't like it. I didn't really like, I didn't really like Austin's heel run. I, I never wanted to hate Austin. I never wanted to hate Austin, particularly. I liked him just the way he was. I liked Austin just the way he was. I liked him when he when he beat up Vince McMahon. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like he needed any any reason to change his character. And even he said that if he could go back, he said he would. He he wouldn't. He said he would not have changed his character. He didn't need it because the fans did not. They want. The fans did not want to hate Steve Austin. I don't care what anyone says, but the fans did not want to hate Steve Austin. The fans loved Steve Austin. He was the man. And, you know, there there was no one better than Steve Austin. But uh, anyway, it said he also developed an infatuation with Mr. McMahon character. Going to great lengths to impress him, even going so far as to hug him and bring him present. So I didn't really like that. I didn't really like the fact that he was hugging Vince McMahon and bringing him presents. I mean, it just didn't fit his character to me. I don't care what anyone says, heel or not, he could have been a heel. Steve Austin could have been a heel without doing all that. See, Steve Austin, he should have never been. They should, If they was going to make Steve Austin a heel, a bad guy, they should have never had him aligned with Vincent Mann, hugging Vince McMahon, giving him presents, you know, that made him look soft. You can be a heel without looking soft. 
But anyway, that's what that's what they had him do. They want him to hug Vince McMahon, this and that, give him kisses and all that shit. And I just, I didn't agree with it. I didn't like it. But it is what it is. But uh, anyway, um, Austin, he ended up, he ended up getting in a team with Triple H. It's called a two-man power trip. It's right here. I, I just, I mean, yeah, it was, it was good. I liked it in a way. But Austin and Triple H being in a team, it just didn't seem believable. Like, why the hell would Austin be in a team with Triple H with a man who who had him ran down? It just, just storyline, just storyline wise, it doesn't make sense. But uh, anyway, that's what they that's what they did. They had Stone Cold and Triple H. They had them lying together, and I believe I feel like I feel like if Triple H hadn't got okay, Triple H got injured, and in, okay, Triple H got injured during this time. He tore his quadriceps muscle, and I feel like if Triple H hadn't got injured, then they probably would have had Triple H turn on Austin or Austin turn on Triple H. Anyway, they. And they could have had it where Austin, I actually feel like they could have had it where Austin turned on Triple H. Austin could have been the bad guy. Triple H could have been the good guy, but have Austin as a legitimate bad guy and not have him as a as an ass kisser to Vince McMahon. That's what I think they could, that's what I think could have happened because I just didn't, I didn't really like Austin as an ass kisser to Vince McMahon. It just didn't seem realistic as an ass kisser. To Vince McMahon, how much rather Austin come out to the ring and beat Vince McMahon's ass on a daily basis or every night, whatever you want to say. But uh, anyway, um, in 2001, Austin had some pretty good matches in 2001. He has a good match with Ben Wall, Chris Jericho. He, a man like he, tore the house down with Ben Wall one night. And then him, Benoit Jericho had a match at King of the Ring 2001. Benoit got injured during that match. But uh, anyway, they had a great match. But, um... There, okay, well, during the match between at the uh, King of the Ring 2001 between Austin, Benoit, Jericho... Austin suffered a back injury after Booker T dropped Stone Cold through the announcer table. Booker T, Booker T, that was his debut. That was his debut in the company. So Booker T, he came in on wrong note. Came in, he just uh, injured one of the top guys in the fucking company. That's something you don't do. Right there is you don't injure the guy in the top company in, in the you know injure the top guy in the company, but um anyway it happened and uh I actually um uh seen on YouTube that Austin said that it, it actually wasn't what Booker T's fault. Said so Austin was real sweaty and then uh said it was an accident, but anyway um. But anyway, fast forward, um, 
They really didn't know what to do with Austin after that. Because um, Benoit, Benoit had a neck injury and Jericho moved on to other things. Um, so he, so Austin, and then Austin was injured. Austin was injured. Okay, uh, he started doing these backstage segments with uh, Vince McMahon and Kurt Angle. And they were funny. He did, he did a lot of funny stuff with Kurt Angle and Vince McMahon. And, uh... This was around the time that Vince McMahon bought WCW. And, uh, he brought some WCW guys in. And they started doing this uh, WCW angle. WCW versus WWE angle. After WWE bought WCW, they decided to do that storyline, and um, Steve Austin turned into a bad guy again. After he just, okay, damn, I'm getting way too ahead of myself. Anyway, he um, anyway, uh, WCW came in. They started attacking the WWE guys, and uh, Vince McMahon wanted Stone Cold to. Come back with more of a mean streak. He wanted Steve Austin come back with more of a mean streak because when Steve Austin turned heel, he didn't have much of a mean streak. That's one thing I didn't like about Steve Austin's heel turn. But uh, Steve Austin didn't have much of a mean streak, so he wanted Austin to come back with his mean streak. So that's what he did. Stone Cold came out there during the segment during Raw. He beat up everybody on the WCW team. And then they had this uh, pay-per-view called Invasion. You had WCW guys versus WWE guys. D Steve Austin was in the match. He was a part of the WWE team. Well, he turned on the WWE team, and he aligned himself with WCW. And on the WCW team, you had Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon, he was the owner of WCW. Stephanie McMahon... She was the owner of ECW. Okay, they had okay. So basically, what they did, they had WCW and they had ECW. ECW came in too, so they aligned WCW ECW together, and they called them the Alliance. They called them. That's what the team was called. They they put WCW ECW together. They called them the Alliance. So Steve Austin was. He was basically the leader of the team, and then Steve Austin. He had a big. He had a good rivalry with Kurt Angle. He had a good rivalry with Kurt Angle. He had some good matches with Kurt Angle. Angle lied to you. He had, he had some damn good matches when he when he did his heel run in two thousand one. Like he had some of his best matches. Like some of his best matches in his heel run. I will say that because they had him. They, they put him with guys like Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, Jericho, and it, it was just awesome. But they put him, they put him against Angle, and uh, they uh, they put him in a rivalry against Angle. He actually lost. He was the champion. He was the champion, WWE champion. He lost the belt against Kurt Angle at Unforgiven by submitting to the ankle lock. But then he won it back from Kurt Angle. 
on an episode of Raw, I remember that I watched it the night it happened because I remember I was so damn pissed because WWF Commissioner William Regal had betrayed Kurt Angle during that match. I remember I was so damn pissed during that match because I, I, I'd actually, actually, it was starting to get where when during Austin's heel turn, like, I was starting to get where I didn't like Austin. I was starting, uh, yeah, I really, I was starting to get where I didn't like Austin, and a part of me, I didn't, I didn't like not liking Austin, because Austin was my favorite wrestler of all time, so it really pissed me off that I had to, that I didn't like him no more, it really pissed me off, but anyway, um, Austin was a heel guy, and it's just, I, I've always been a top person. I can't never go for the hill guys. It's hard for me to go for the hill guys. And, uh, you know, Steve Austin, some of the things that he did, it just really pissed me off. Like, he was a hill guy. He, um, some of the things that he did, I just, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And it's just, it wasn't him. It just wasn't him. I think one of the reasons why is I didn't like it no more is because it, it, it just wasn't him. It wasn't him. I wasn't used to seeing him doing things that he normally wouldn't do, like cheating near the match. I just didn't like that. I didn't like the fact that he would cheat near the match, or you like you would see him run away. He you would see him run away from a wrestler, and like that was never him. But that's what they wanted him to do at the time. They wanted him to run away from the Undertaker. They wanted him to run away from Kurt Angle, which made no sense at all. It makes no sense ever at any time for Steve Austin to run away from the Undertaker, Kurt Angle, or any guy in the wrestling business. I just didn't, it didn't make no sense for Steve Austin's heel turn. I didn't like it and never will like it. But anyway, um, that's what it was. They had Steve Austin as heel. He was the leader of the Alliance. You know, when, when WCW was bought out, WCW, ECW was bought out, that's what it was. Austin was the leader, basically. And then they had this Survivor Series tag team match. And this Survivor Series tag team match, winner take all, is WCW versus WWE, or the Alliance versus WWE. The winner of the match will take all. Winner take all. Okay. So, I mean, it's pretty easy to understand what happened there. Okay, so the storyline was... WWE, if WWE won, they, they basically they win everything. They win everything. They win all the stars. They, uh, they, you know, they take everything. But, um, they beat, WWE ended up winning the match. They beat WCW. The Rock pinned Stone Cold Steve Austin during the match. And, um, The, the way they won the match was, um, the way they won the match is Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, he was on the Alliance team. He had turned on Team WWL weeks prior. So Kurt Angle was on the fucking Alliance team. And then, anyway, Kurt Angle, it was a whole plot from Vincent Van to Kurt Angle, storyline-wise. Kurt Angle, during the match, he turned on Steve Austin, called Steve Austin to lose the match for the team, so The Rock won. And 
Then the next night on Raw, Mr. McMahon decided he was going to strip Steve Austin of the WWE Championship that Steve Austin had at the time. Steve Austin was the champion, and McMahon was going to award it to Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, who helped Team WWF win the match. Well, just as he was going to do it, Ric Flair, who returned to the WWF for the first time since 1993, he announced that he was part owner of the fucking company. Austin returned moments later after this announcement, this announcement and attacked Kurt Angle and Mr. McMahon for the action. He was then handed his title belt by, by Ric Flair and celebrated with his, him in the ring. Ric Flair celebrated with him in the ring and Austin turned face again. Man, I was so happy. I remember this night it happened. Stone Cold came out there. Whoop goddamn, whoop goddamn Kurt Angle and, and Mr. McMahon's ass, and I was so fucking happy that he became the damn heel. I mean, became the face again, and he became he became the ass kicking, ass kicking, ass kicking champion that he's always been. And I feel like I feel like what happened that night between between Austin and Angle events, when he whooped Angle's ass, when he whooped Mr. McMahon's ass, that's how Austin should always be. There ain't no, there ain't no hill turn with Austin. There ain't no bad guy with Austin. Austin should just be him. He should just be himself. He's not really hill. He's not, it's not, it's not like he's a bad guy or a good guy. He's just, he's just him. He's just him. He's a, what you, I guess you call him an anti-hero. Call him anti-hero and I've just always felt like, you know, Steve Austin is Steve Austin. You just need to let him play his own fucking character. Let him be his fucking self. They, you don't need to change anything about him. Don't change, don't, don't fuck nothing up. Just like with The Rock. With The Rock, same way. Same way with The Rock. Don't fuck nothing up. Y'all, y'all just let them do their own thing. Let them do what they want to. But anyway, Austin turned into a good guy again. And that Ric Flair, who was a part owner in storyline, <clears throat> decided that Austin would face off against The Rock, who was still in possession of the World Championship Wrestling title, the WCW Championship. But uh, Vince McMahon didn't see it that way. So he decided that Austin would defend his WF championship against Kurt Angle. The Rock would defend his championship against Jericho. And the winner of both of those matches would face against each other. So, okay. So Austin, okay. Austin wrestled our Kurt Angle. And pay revengeance for the WF Championship. Austin beat Angle for the WF Championship. So Austin advanced and he was faced against The Rock or Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho won, so it was Austin and Jericho in the finals, and the winner would be the undisputed champion. <coughs> well, Jericho won, and. Jericho lost because of McMahon and Booker T. 
Well, see, this really pissed me off. I remember as a kid, this really pissed me off. I feel like Austin should have won. Matter of fact, to this day, I feel like Austin should have won. I feel like Austin should have won. I feel like if Austin would have won, that basically would have solidified his whole entire career. That would have basically shown that he was... You know, that basically would have shown that he was one of the top guys in the business. And I feel like Vince McMahon owed it to him, you know, for him to win the United States champ for I mean, to win the undisputed championship. But they went with Jericho, which, which didn't make. I mean, I mean it. Was, I mean it's good, you know. You build new stars. You build new stars. Jericho was a was a new star. They want to build someone up, but at the same time. It, did, it really didn't make no sense because of what happened afterwards. So I think it would have been a much better choice if Austin would have won or The Rock would have won. But me being biased, I feel like Austin should have won. He should have won the championship. He should have been the undisputed champion. That's who I was going for at the time. But he didn't win. And that really pissed me off. But in 2002 Royal Rumble, on January 20th, Austin entered at number 19 and lasted until the Final Four, but was eliminated by Kurt Angle. He returned to the ring and hit the remaining competitors with a steel chair. On the January 28th episode of Raw, he defeated Angle to earn a shot at Chris Jericho's undisputed WWF Championship at No Way Out. In the build-up to No Way Out, McMahon had signed a new world order, NWO, who immediately began a feud with Austin. Austin refused a beer gift from the NWO that cost him his match against <coughs> Jericho later that night. Problems were beginning to surface backstage, however, as Austin was reported as being unhappy Regard Hulk Hogan's return to WWF, he was reported as refusing to lose to Hogan in a proposed match at WrestleMania 18, while Hogan reportedly told McMahon the same regard to lose to Austin. Yeah, Hogan and Austin was supposed to have a match at WrestleMania 18, but neither one of them would lose against each other. So, so that's what happened. But it says in recent years, Austin has... This to say about why the match never took place. I guarantee you if my head had been a little different place, then by all rights, a match should have happened. Also told Jim Ross. Physically and mentally, where I was at, I could go. I think Hogan probably would have been a step or two behind that. That was acceptable to me, and I didn't want to slow myself down. That's what also said. Then he said, uh, I say that with all due respect to Hulk Hogan because he had a hellacious run. That was my thought process back in the day. I didn't think we could deliver. Consequently, the match was rebuilt as The Rock defeating Hogan while Austin defeated Scott Hall. Anyway, uh, Austin no-showed The Raw after WrestleMania and took a week-long break without the company's consent, citing his Austin. McMahon claimed his actions caused fury among fans who had paid to see him that night. 
awesome return on April 1st episode of Raw, the first, the first of the new brand extinction era. Show was centered on which show he was signed with, and he ultimately chose Raw. They had a brand extinction. A brand extinction. So they had two Raw. See, so they had two uh, two shows: Raw and SmackDown. At Raw and SmackDown, they decided to split up the shows. Have superstars that were exclusively on Raw, exclusively on SmackDown. And that's, that was the only way you see them. You have them separate. So they decided to do this whole brand extinction thing where you have everyone, everything separate. So that's what they did. And uh, Steve Austin went to Raw. Steve Austin went to Raw. They did a draft. It's kind of like in the NFL. They do a draft. They, they You know, they do a draft. Okay, they draft certain, certain team members to different two different teams and well that's what they did it's the same thing like NFL does they had members on Raw and members on Smackdown and that's the way they did it Austin was on Raw and then immediately Austin, immediately Austin entered a feud with The Undertaker that resulted in our number one contenders match for the undisputed WF Championship at Backlash, which Austin lost despite having his foot on the rope when he was pinned. He would later be betrayed by Big Show, who went on to rejoin the NWO and Ric Flair. Austin then defeated Big Show and Ric Flair in a handicap match at Judgment Day. In a May 2002 interview on WWE Internet program, by this Austin stunned the company and fans by launching a verbal attack on the direction the company was heading in and slated the creator team for not using him the way he felt they previously did. Commentators struggled to keep Austin opinions on a neutral wavelength, literally literally apologized to fans for the outburst, and stated it was not part of Austin's current or upcoming storylines. McMahon responded a week later on the show, on the same show, playing down the outburst, claiming that Austin was merely the type of wrestler who was occasionally difficult to work with. Now, Austin... Yeah, Austin may have been difficult to work with, but the thing is, you know, Austin, like, see, see, the thing with Austin was, and he was a big star, Austin was a big star, and I just feel like he just wasn't ready to, to give up his time as the top star that he was. And if Austin was wanting to give it to someone else, he was wanting to be with the right person, with the right build-up, and the right storyline. But uh, anyway, um, Austin, he was unhappy during this time. Back in 2002, he was very unhappy. He just, his head wasn't in the right place. And this is, I mean, this is real, like, this is basically Austin's thoughts. This is basically what Austin was going through. He didn't like the creative direction. He didn't like the way anything was going. And really, like, I remember watching back in 2002, like, end of 2001, 2002. I could, I could tell, like, some of the things that they were doing Austin, I just, I didn't like. I didn't really like. It just didn't seem like Austin. It just didn't... It just didn't seem like things that he would do. 
But anyway, Dodo be rehired Eddie Guerrero for all too few with, which Eddie Guerrero's Eddie Guerrero um is actually a guy that Austin Austin really likes. <clears throat> but um they they hired Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero's a good star. He can put I mean like he can do he could do a great match with Austin. They matter of fact they had a match and they had a great match. But um they was prepping Austin for a few with Brock Lesnar. However, Austin balked at the proposition that he lose a King of the Ring qualifying match on Raw to Lesnar and ultimately walked out on the company. Austin later explained that he thought hot shot and rookie made Austin look weak. And airing the match on free television with no build-up did not give Austin a proper stage for such a big win over a star of awesome attitude. Further f fanning the flames amongst Austin's growing number of dick, uh, dick traitor, dick traitors, the traitors, <laughs> can you say the word? Number of the traitors was a well-publicized domestic dispute incident between Austin and his wife, Deborah. Okay, uh, Austin had a lot of problems at the time. Um, okay, Austin didn't like the direction that he was going in in WWE at the time. I'm just going to break it down there more. Austin, Austin has stated in interviews he didn't like the direction that he was going into. <clears throat> I don't think he was ready, quite ready to give up his spot. And even if he was ready to give up his spot, he didn't like the fact that he was having to go on TV and lose a one-on-one -on -one match with Brock Lesnar with no build-up at all. Absolutely no build-up at all. Yes, we know that this is fake. We know this is a sport. But Steve Austin, who has built up his career in professional wrestling, who has made a lot of money in professional wrestling, has built up this character. And this character that he's built up is basically someone who is almost unstoppable. And he just didn't like the idea that his character... His character, Stone Cold Steve Austin, was losing to a guy who has just started in the company. Just started in the company, a rookie in the company. He didn't like the fact that he was going to have to lose this guy. And that's the reason why he walked out on the company. He walked out on the company. He didn't like the way he was being built up. Even though he stated, he stated, year, he stated years after this happened, he said that he would have, he said he would have did things differently. He said he probably would have did things differently. He said he would have talked with Vince. But anyway, he ended up, he no-showed the event. He no-showed the event, and he walked out on WWE. And he um, I really, I really can't blame him. I really can't blame him at all for no-showing the event. I mean, if you know any job you work at, it doesn't matter. Any job you work at, if you know how good you are and they want you to do, they want you to like, okay, if you, if you work for a job, any job you want, and they 
they just want you to do something that you know you feel you're not comfortable with or they want you to take a pay cut just say let's just compare it to taking a pay cut okay you work you work for a company and you're making all this money and all of a sudden they tell you all right well we want you to make we want you to take a pay cut well then you're probably gonna be pissed you're probably gonna be pissed that you're gonna taking a pay cut well, the same thing, the same thing with this, with, um, same thing with, uh, wrestling, wrestling industry, um, wrestling industry, that you come in, you come in one day, and, okay, you don't build up, you don't build up to, you don't build up to this number one, like, you're the number one person in this company, like you basically done build up you're you're in a high spot in the company you're in a high spot in the company and then they want you to do something that you don't like doing and you're probably going to be pissed about doing it you <clears throat> know uh, I don't know it's just so you know I just um I think that uh Austin I feel I've always felt like he, like a lot of people, you know, a lot, a lot of people might think, a lot of people might think, well, they might say, well, you're still, you're still making the same money, so why the hell do you care about going on TV having to lose to a man that just started? Well, because the reason why, the reason, the reason why it's a big deal is because the reason why it's a big deal about losing to a guy who just started is because it makes you look bad. It makes you look bad in the company, and I don't know. It just felt like he just felt like it might it might hurt his character, and um, and I would have to agree with him. I would have to agree with him on that. I feel like it really would have hurt his character. But, uh, man, I could go on and on about this. Like, uh, I thought it was disrespectful to him. I, I honestly, I, fe- I felt like it was disrespectful to him. Like, Steve Austin, like, I thought it was disrespectful to T- Steve Austin. Like, he made he made this company all this damn money. He made this company all this damn money in 98, 99, 2000, whatever. He made him all this damn money, and now all of a sudden you want him to lose in one match? Like, that's basically a spit in the face. That's basically a spit in the face. Yes, he's making the same money, but still, you know, like, Steve, Steve Austin, I think he's the type of guy, he, like, he basically, he, like, he felt like he basically treated his character, his wrestling character, as, as something real. He basically treated it as something real, even though it was a fucking character. But he he treated it he treated the wrestling business as something real, and that that's just the way he is, and that's the way uh that's the way the Bret Hart was too. Bret Hart was the same way. He he wanted to make like he treated his job, his wrestling career as a real job. He treated it as something real, like it, it shit was real to him. Like it was a real damn job, and it basically is a real damn job. A lot of people look at professional wrestling as something that's fake, 
But it's more real than what people realize. Like, these guys are putting their bodies on the line each and every night. Each and every night. And that's that's basically how I, I think, I feel like that's basically what Steve Austin looked at it is. I feel like he was on the same level as Bret Hart. Like, they... They looked at this job as their fucking livelihood. It's the fucking livelihood. That's what this is what they did to put put food on the damn table. And you know, that's why that's that's why they treated it that's why they treated the wrestling business so seriously. And I really don't blame them at all. I would treat I would treat it seriously too, especially if I know if I'm the fucking guy that made this company millions of fucking dollars and then made Vince McMahon a billionaire, so I'd probably make it, I'd probably take it seriously too. But anyway, Steve Austin walked out. <clears throat> Steve Austin walked out and um he kept a a low profile for a long time. A low profile. And then he finally agreed to return to the company in 2003. He returned to the company in 2003. He uh, he came back in February 2003 at a No Way Out pay-per-view by defeating Eric Bischoff, his former boss man from WCW. What a way to come back. You coming back, you whooping your old boss man's ass. His real life old boss man from WCW. He was a vice president of WCW. Whooped his goddamn ass. And then uh and then Austin would wrestle only one match between then and WrestleMania in another short match against Bischoff and Raw. Then he entered a few with the Rock who returned about the same time as a smug Hollywood sellout heel. The Rock was offended that the WWE fans voted for Austin in a WWE magazine poll to determine the superstar of the decade. He, he expressed his frustration at having never defeated Austin at WrestleMania and challenged Austin to a match at WrestleMania 19. Austin was defeated. Austin accepted, and Austin had his last match against The Rock at WrestleMania 19. That was the that was Austin's last match he ever had against The Rock. And you know what? I really don't blame him. I really don't blame him for having that as his last match because I mean, it's a number of reasons. Like, I mean, Austin had the problems that he had during the time. Problems that he had during the time, you know. He's going through well, he was going through a divorce at the time. And um you know also because of his neck, you know, he had neck problems, he had neck problems, knee he had neck injury, uh problems with his knee, problem with his back, like you name it. Like he had man, like he had a lot of he had a lot of injuries, like a lot of people don't realize like Wrestling, like this wrestling, professional wrestling actually takes a toll on a lot of people's bodies. Like if you look at guys like Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan's probably had like seven, eight back back surgeries, seven, eight back surgeries his whole entire career. And um, you know Steve Austin, he underwent 
he underwent surgery on his on his neck and all. But um <clears throat> Austin had a great career. He had a great career. He's he's my favorite wrestler of all time. He basically he basically transcended he transcended wrestling to what it is today. During the during nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine it was known as the Attitude Era. That was going up against WCW, WCW World Championship Wrestling. They were in a war. They were in a war with, uh, and uh, they they had a TV ratings war. Anyway, and WCW's whipping WWE's ass. Well, Steve Austin came up. When Steve Austin came up, he had that he had that rivalry with Vince McMahon. That instantly skyrocketed it skyrocketed the ratings for WWE. WCW's whooping WWE's ass. WWE came back, started whooping WCW's ass. WWE, I remember at a time, they were having six, seven, eight million eight million viewers to watch Monday Night Raw. Six, seven, eight million viewers. Whereas today, it's only like one or two million big viewers. Like, not many people's watching wrestling like they used to on TV. Not many people's wa- not many people's watching it, and it's just, it's not like it used to be, but Steve Austin is one of the biggest reasons why there was a big rise in people watching wrestling. Like, people really gravitated to watching wrestling whenever Steve Austin came onto the scene. Steve Austin is one of the biggest professional wrestlers of all time. He's one of the most entertaining wrestlers of all time. He's right on up there with The Rock and Hulk Hogan. My opinion, I feel like he's the the the, the greatest, the greatest entertainer in the whole industry of professional wrestling. That that's just my opinion. A lot of people might think differently, but I have a lot of people who agree with me. They feel like Stone Cold is the greatest of all time. Like he man, he made television numbers. He made record breaking numbers for television. He made record breaking numbers, and like you won't ever see that again. You just look it up, look it up, Google it. Nineteen ninety nine WWE Raw viewership ratings. I guarantee you will you will see six, seven, eight million viewers. You will never see that shit again. Steve Austin was that damn good, and you just you just can't beat him. You just can't beat him. Like the you know, like the things he did in wrestling, like he didn't even like he didn't even have to wrestle really. All he had to fucking do was you just had to hear that goddamn glass break. You hear that damn glass break. He come out to the fucking ring. He give out stone cold stunners. He drank some damn beer, and that's all there was to it. That's just all there was to it. Give Vince McMahon a stone cold stunner. Give The Rock a stone cold stunner. Give Triple H a stone cold stunner. That's just all there was to it. Stone Cold was the man. He was the man on the fucking mic. You couldn't beat him. You couldn't out trash talk him. And um, I just feel like he had one of the greatest careers of all time. That's just my feeling on it, and you know, Austin. Even even after Austin retired, like man, Austin was great. Even even after he fucking retired, 
Like, Austin, like, he was, um, they made him as the general manager. They put him as the general manager on Monday Night Raw, and him and Eric Bischoff, him and Eric Bischoff, they were the co-general manager. Eric Bischoff was the general manager at the time, so they put Austin as the co-general manager. So, anyway, they, man, they did some great stuff, like, anyway, uh, man, like, Austin, like, man, like, even to this day, people talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin. They talk about what an impact he had on the professional wrestling business. He probably had the biggest impact on the the professional wrestling business I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Him, Hogan, The Rock, they probably had one of the biggest, the biggest impacts on professional wrestling. Like, I mean... If you just, like, if you just go up to somebody and you talk about professional wrestling, just for a few seconds, a few minutes, people are going to say, oh, that's that thing that uh, Steve Austin does. That's that thing that Hulk Hogan does. That's that thing that The Rock does. Everyone knows professional wrestling because of The Rock, Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan. But, uh... Anyway, um, like, that, I mean, from what I've said today, that's, them, them are the reasons why Steve Austin, my favorite wrestler of all time, I feel like, I feel like he's bigger than, you know, fucking, almost anyone, you know, he's, he just like, he, he's awesome, and I just think that, um, from the things that he did on TV, you just you just about can't beat it. Just you I mean just about can't. I mean, I mean, just look it up on YouTube. Just look it on YouTube. Look up Stone Cold Steve Austin WrestleMania 32 entrance when he came out to the fucking ring. You had eighty, ninety thousand people standing on their fucking feet cheering for Steve Austin. WrestleMania 32. And that was just like five, six years ago. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah. Steve Austin ain't even got to wrestle. Steve Austin could just come out to the fucking ring in front of a stadium full of people and people will go butt wild. People will go butt wild. They will be standing on their fucking feet. They'll be doing jumping jacks, about to piss on themselves. I guarantee you, ain't no telling what they're going to do. But anyway, all I got to say is, all I got to say is, you know, he's my favorite wrestler of all time, of all time, and that's the bottom line because I fucking said so.